I was just walking down the stairs to the basement. My mm-hmm. first of all, the Keurig filled it too much, mainly because right. No, that's what mine did too. Mainly because I was impatient. I put milk in while it was brewing the second cycle, and yeah, yeah, I did that too. Well, no, so like I put mine in first because I, my Keurig is upstairs, and I was like, I'm not going back downstairs. Like I went down to get a mug. And then I was like, I'm not coming back down after. So I put the cream in first and then I came upstairs and it was just, it was a mistake. I should not have done that. Yeah. No, my, my problem was I was walking down the stairs with a two full cup of coffee and I almost tripped on the laces on my slippers, which I should tie now before I forget so I don't die again. I tie them three times a day. I believe that. I believe that to be factually accurate. Um, I should just get something like, oh, there's a hot glue bin down here. I should just hot glue them shut. That would be smart. Um, <laughs> but That's either a really good plan or a really, really bad one. Well, I think they're they're either pleather or real leather. So we'll see mm-hmm. when whatever that smell comes out from them getting hot glue on them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I almost fell face first down the stairs and there was a wine rack at the bottom. Oh, no. So I almost died. <laughs> and I thought you heard. I can just see you like, no, I heard. I heard you talking to Socks and telling him that he made the basement smell like ass. He does! <laughs> I didn't hear any repeated, fuck, going down that, the stairs. I didn't hear that. I stopped myself. And I, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time I've fallen down a flight of stairs. It would be the fourth. Well, but the first time with a cup of extremely hot coffee into an extremely fragile wine rack with shards that will break your neck. Uh, actually, not even the first time with hot coffee. Uh, <laughs> uh, Classic. But no, the wine rack is quite strong. It's uh, like... Uh, I was mostly talking about the bottles themselves, not the rack. Itself. Actually, I think because all the bottles are facing out, so I think I'd be okay. It's just the wine rack is uh, marble and steel. What? What kind of fancy ass wine rack do your parents have? I don't. I don't know why they bought it. If it's nothing else, we own. <laughs> <laughs> it's just their one really classy, fancy possession that they keep in. The I don't know why it's at the bottom of the stairs either. That just seems like a hazard. Because, <laughs> especially if you're coming back down for like bottle number two or three, like let's let's. It's not gonna end well. <laughs> Our stairs aren't that steep. It's fine. I've done it. You just you just grab, you go down one trip and you just get the one bottle to yourself or you send my dad because that's what I do. <laughs> and then he yells at me for drinking all his beer every damn time. <laughs> if he would stop. You should, you should really know this about you by now. If he would stop brewing more beer, I wouldn't have to drink it. <laughs> the one time he literally told me, he goes, you got to hurry up. Um, I need the bottles. <laughs> I love your dad. I do too. In the fact that they're brewing, <laughs> they they the Christmas sale is brewing. So I was supposed oh. when I was really sick. I was supposed that was the week I was supposed to zest six oranges for it. Did you remember to no, do that? No, because I was dying. Oh, right. so okay. no one wanted me to touch that. <laughs> he he literally told me he handed me a cup of ice like at six in the morning. He goes, don't leave your room. No. <laughs> I can see that. That's he fun. loves me so much. I helped him shovel snow this week, so he, he's not too mad. 
Oh, I guess. Oh my gosh. So, go ahead. I guess we should tell them what they're listening to. Probably, yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, this is the Cult of Domesticity, a podcast where two best friends tell each other stories about history, politics, and true crime. I'm Courtney. And I'm Ashley. And we're both slowly dying from winter. Is that, that Slowly and then all of a sudden, incredibly rapidly. My problem is I'm allergic to my house. Mine is that my the car that I'm using is apparently allergic to starting when... <laughs> The temperature is below zero, which it has been for the last two days. So, yeah, we're doing great. Yeah. I'm just waiting. Like, did I tell you what's in the garage now? No. We have a heater for the animals because the rabbit and the dog, (laughs) that's where the schnitzel's crate is. And. Okay. I knew Nanners was out there. Yeah. um, I didn't know schnitzel was too. Yeah, so basically I went to go give Schnitzel more water one morning and we have like those gallon bottles that we just keep refilling to give to her. Yeah. And it was frozen. There's about a fourth of it in there and it was frozen. I was like, shit. Oh, poor thing. I mean, at least like we, we rearranged it so they're farther away, like farther away from the door and we can't put blankets really in with Schnitzel because she shreds everything. <laughs> but yeah we have a heater that uh, so my heater I normally use when I'm down here is now outside <laughs> so at least and you are freezing actually no this fort is quite warm quite okay I mean well considering it's made out of like blankets and pillows fuzzy things yeah um, there's a couple seat cushions <laughs> you know you get real fancy with it. I just close the door to my bedroom, and that's about it. That's because there's nowhere in my house that is reasonably quiet. Like, yeah, that's fair. There's like I have to close three doors just to make it decently quiet in here. And if I'm up in my room, I, all bets are off because if Schnitzel starts barking, you can hear it. Yeah. So, so should we get to our topic today so our topic which was supposed to be last week's topic but i don't know what i'm doing and the week before that as well <laughs> yeah yeah this was supposed to be a topic for three weeks <laughs> and shit happens it's all good. <laughs> our topic that has been postponed for what feels like forever for us and you only one week is martin luther and the reformation and surprise we're both talking today you get a story from both of us it's double the awesome and double the annoying (laughs) you miss my beautiful hand motions i was imagining them it's okay okay (laughs) all right were they like jazz hands because that's what i saw in my brain it was jazz hands vogue oh oh my goodness so you know what i'm doing because you got so So fancy. Okay. All right. Let's start this shit. Yeah, we got it because <laughs> you got to go work. Yeah. I told Lindsay I stopped swearing as much and the first 20 minutes of this is all swears. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> okay. So Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr. 
which Google always appear appears to think I want. Um, <laughs> I feel like Martin Luther King was named after Martin Luther, though. I'm probably making that up. I'll Google it later. All right. Okay, Martin Luther was born November 10th, 1483. So we're taking it back real far, far y'all. Um, in Eiselberg, Eiselben. Oh, Kayla's going to be so disappointed in me. Eiselben. She's going to cry. She's going to cry. She's going to cry real bad. <laughs> um, all, actually, I have several friends that speak German, so they're all going to cry at me. Uh, they're just going to look at you like you cut me deep, bro. I know, which is sad because I'm part German. Um, (laughs) it's what is in now Germany Germany is not a thing just accept it it's kind of like Italy yeah it's the Holy Roman Empire which is a bunch of bullshit but (laughs) (laughs) I love you so much uh, he was born to a father who was a copper miner you know going down there, getting some copper so you can make some nice things that he probably couldn't afford. And his father was a driving force in his life, um, pushing him to study at university. And, um, of course, his father's name was Hans, because, you know, German. I'm trying real hard not to make a frozen joke. (laughs) Go ahead. You get one. No, I'm not going to. Okay, so Hans was pushing uh, Luther to become a lawyer. So just think about it. Parents have been pushing their kids to become a lawyer for about, I don't know. Forever? Since lawyers existed? Yeah, about 500 years. <laughs> There's good money in it. <laughs> yeah. And at this time, you're probably most likely going to be uh, a clerical, like, or clerk, like. That's a, probably a canon lawyer. So yes, like thank you. I thought about doing that. And canon lawyers are not in charge of suing canons. It's church lawyers. Well, okay, no, it depends, because canon was actually, like, a position of the church for a hot minute there. So, like, yeah. they could sue them if they broke church law. I was talking about a boom canon, but a... Oh. <laughs> uh, chirp, chirp, chirp. I see what you did there. I feel like we're going to have to, like, pay her royalties at some point. We'll just promote her blog. It's fine. It's fine. There's <laughs> a new post coming out. Cool. Um, (laughs) so uh, Martin in 1505 begins to study law at the University of Erfurt Erfurt the the sad thing is I took an entire semester long course on this (laughs) and if you want to really know the reason why we did not do this last week is I was searching for my notebook from that class so I wouldn't have to do extra research I think I threw it out. <laughs> I'm really, really sad now. I like it. So sad. I cried for like <laughs> five minutes. Um, okay. So Luther's, you know, going to school, becoming a lawyer. But, and this is my, like, it's like a mystical experience that reminds me of uh, so many myths. Um, like, okay. That was dumb. No, it's 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 a story that just reminds you of so many creation myths of like big men history. It's yeah. great. Ready for it? Yeah. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine okay. this. All right. 
So Martin Luther riding on, I'm going to guess, a horse or walking. He's traveling in a thunderstorm. And it's really such a bad thunderstorm. And he almost gets struck by lightning. And it it misses him. And so Martin falls down and cries out to God, if he survives traveling through the storm, he'll become a monk. So it's pretty much the story of Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul Paul? Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah, Saul Paul. I mean, we're missing a talking donkey, but everything else is pretty much there. I thought he went blind. Saul Paul. He was Saul, then he became Paul. Saul Paul. Yeah. (laughs) Simon Peter. It's the same thing. I thought there were two. Because apparently names just up and changed. You were baptized, asshole. You're the Catholic. Come on. I know. No, I know. I'm saying, like, Simon, he was Simon, and then Jesus was like, I'm going to call you Peter now. And he was like, all right, cool. And then he built a church on him. And that's how we got here. I mean, not literally actually built a church on top of him, but, like, you know what I mean? Papal succession is a whole thing. That's what she said. (laughs) I don't know where that belongs, but I like it. It was after you said, he said, I'm going to call you uh, Peter, and and he built his church on him, and I was going to say, that's what she said. Okay. (laughs) I I still don't get it, but anyway. But uh, <laughs> more crickets. More crickets. Okay. Um. So Martin, much to the chagrin of his father, so just know he disappointed his dad too. It's okay. Oh, good. He joined um a monastic order. Ashley, do you want to guess which one? Guess which order he joined? Oh, I don't know. Jesuits. No. Uh, Franciscans. No. Benedictines. No. I could do this all day. You should probably just tell me. <laughs> he became an Augustinian friar. Damn, I was going to say Dominicans next because that seems like some shit Dominicans would pull. But anyway. Wait, uh, God, I'm trying to remember who founded that order. Uh, St. Dominic? No, Augustinians. Oh. St. Augustine? There we go. <laughs> Just like the Benedictines were St. Benedict, the Jesuits were actually not Jesus. It was not Jesus. Talk, I don't remember. Resident Catholic in the house. <laughs> Doing great. Um, and then the I, Franciscans are St. Francis of CC. Yeah. Um, Fuck, I hope you know. Not, I don't even, that's all getting cut out. Sorry. I hope you know all my Catholic knowledge either comes from this class that I took on the Reformation, <laughs> um, having my great, like, my dad's side has Catholics in it. Uh-huh. Your aunt who always goes to adoration. <laughs> yes, my great aunt. Yeah. I always tell her to say hi to Jesus for me, and she tells me, Courtney, you should go to church. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time. I love it. I love um, it. Yeah, and then my mom's side's all Lutheran, which we can talk about the judgmentalness of that later. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So, Luther was ordained in 1507. And, yeah. That was quick. 
Yeah, 
an appointed position in the church. Yeah. Or like selling things that you claim are blessed but never were, stuff like that. That's all called simony. And it's like a sin that if you're Catholic, you have to confess. Like, um, it's a whole thing. Was it named because of a dude called Simon? I think it was named based on <laughs> I'm Peter, honestly. Like, I might be making that up, but I feel like that's what I it was. I was making a joke! <laughs> I know, but like... <laughs> you know that I could not let that go. I know. <laughs> you just put crickets and then be like, Ashley's like, but really, I love talking about Catholicism. I, it's not even like... I do, but it's not even that. It's just this is stuff that I've learned about for literally all 12 years of my primary education. Okay. So That's cool. <laughs> not really. <laughs> so what are indulgences? <laughs> they are when you can buy basically forgiveness for someone either living or dead to keep them out of for a sin and to keep them out of purgatory. So basically, you can shorten your time in purgatory by going up and being like, I'm going to make sure I don't have to go to purgatory. I'm going to go wherever I'm going to go. Yeah. Do you so, want to correct me, correct me on that? A little bit. A little bit. So <laughs> back then, yes, indulgences still exist today, but you can't buy them. They're like, I mean, I mean not even like today, but up until Vatican II, I think they might still be technically a thing, but it's not something that like hmm. we still do, you know what I mean? Yeah. But up until Vatican II, after the Reformation and all the sh- shenanigans that went down, um, I love there some was good a shenanigans. Reform. Oh, yeah. There was a reform on indulgences, and it was basically like, if you if you prayed certain prayers for a certain amount of time or like if you did certain good works with the right intention like going into them that kind of a thing yeah then it wasn't even like that you'd shorten your time in purgatory but it was like someone way up the heavy hitters list would intercede for you to where you're more likely to be forgiven for whatever stuff you may have done in the past but it's not like, so in the Borgias, you know how he was like, I'll give you an indulgence, go kill those people. Yeah. And he hadn't done it yet, but he'd already been forgiven. That's not really how, it may have been how it worked back then, but that's not really how it works. So Catholic nerd moment over, continue. Catholic Sorry. nerd, Catholic nerd. <laughs> we need to like a nerd alert, nerd alert. <laughs> Fine. Okay. So, these have, I mean, it's been happening for a while. There have been some other issues within the history of the church um, with the Avenues papacy when they moved the, um, they moved the head of the church from Rome to Avignon, France, and there was the problem that... The anti-pope! Oh, my God. We should right. do we should do one on that because <laughs> there is there was a one point three popes and they all excommunicated each other <laughs> and then they all got fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, but the main problem was there were uh, priests who couldn't speak the native language, and how can you confess to someone who doesn't speak 
your language. So the church has already been in crisis. This is in the 1200s, but there's still the remnants. So the indulgences are like a holdover from that. Yeah. And so Luther begins to really want to delve into these deep theological questions like Ashley, the Catholic nerd. Um, (laughs) And he went to Wittenberg to earn his doctorate in theology. So that's always fun, you know, reading all those books. Um, So he, what, that's what you do. I know. Uh, (laughs) And so he's teaching at the university as well. And he becomes uh, a doctor in 1512 of theology. So he worked real hard. It's also a very different system at that point because he would have already had the basis. Yeah. The the fun thing is um, because he's delving deep into scripture, he's reading the Bible in the original Greek. Yeah, Mm -hmm. in case you were wondering, the Bible was originally written in Greek. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these problems that we see with the different denominations after Luther is, no, you translated this wrong. This is translated wrong. It means this, this. It's like literally linguistic semantics. Uh, So he really got into the letters written by the Apostle Paul. Is that Paul? Saul Paul? Uh, Yes, I think so. Okay. I'm like 94% sure. You're my resident Catholic, so. I know. It's okay. Um, and finally the gates of confusion were broken through (laughs) and (laughs) Luther realized he could be saved by grace through faith alone, which is Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 8. So this is when we get Luther forming his basic ideas before he wrote his 95 theses um can we just agree that's way too many theses that's a lot they're basically bullet points i know but even so 95 that's a lot dude you can narrow that down a little he needed my advisor to narrow it down for him (laughs) get an editor come on so luther's points let's go uh, passionately that Christ's role as the mediator between God and man that by grace and not through works that men are justified and forgiven of sin salvation was God's free gift um, and he's starting to get attention because it's like huh that's a little different and mind you there I'll post uh, uh, I found a really good timeline of the reformation so you can see there were already people who were starting to question the church long before Luther as well as long after. True. Most of them were burned as heretics. Uh, Just saying. Yeah. Not proud of it, but you know. <laughs> they Either if it was a large enough group, the church would listen to them and adapt their ideas, which they could have, like the thing is Luther was working within the framework. So they could have listened to his ideas and, adapted them kind of like appeased him a little bit brought him back into the fold so the either either the method message was burnt so these ideas are so heretical that you get rid of them or the church would work them back into the fold right which 
the whole thing with Luther could have easily been worked back in so we could all be Catholic now. Okay. There are still some people who are like, no, one day we're all going to be one church and it's all going to be Catholicism again. Yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. A little too far out of the bag there, but... There's too many branches on that tree. Yeah. Um, so, October 31st, Halloween, 1517, which the reason why we were doing this is because it was the 500th anniversary. Yeah. But now it's the first episode of the new year, so whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Better late than never. Uh, he publishes his 95 theses, uh, which he attacks papal abuses and the selling of indulgences, and he's um, outlining his biblical doctrine for justi- uh, justifying great uh, salvation by grace alone. So, and while he might have nailed the theses to the door, it is not proven. And it is the one thing I really took away. It, like, he published them. That's why they spread. If he would have just nailed right. them to the door... It wouldn't have spread. We have Gutenberg to thank for his um, his printing press. Right. Because if he'd only done, like, one handwritten copy, like, you tear that down early enough in the morning, no one even knows it happened. Yeah. So, basically, Martin was able to print hundreds of copies, and he did in Latin. But um, he's, pull- like, the- he's pulling I- other ideas, like, from other thinkers, and he's... The Latin means it's going to be disseminated among educated people. But if it's getting reprinted in different languages, it's going to spread faster and spread quickly throughout Europe, which is problematic to the church because not everyone's happy with them. And really this crutch, which is turning him against the beliefs of the Catholic church, um, are that, again, you're saved by faith alone and not through works. That really pisses off a lot of people. And he continues to write. I yeah. was just going to say, to be clear, the church always taught that, but didn't always practice it. So, like, they would always, they would say one thing, but then do another. And that yeah. was probably what upset him more than, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it was just... At the time, they made it seem like you had to do works. Right, as well. Like, you had to go. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no, you, you're you already saved. Yeah. Which, if you ever know about Calvinism, is the complete opposite. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I hate um, So, he has written, he writes a series of pamphlets in close to 1520. So, you have On Christian Liberty, On the Freedom of Christian Man, to the Christian nobility and on the Babylonian captivity of the church. And this, along with his 95 theses, are spread throughout Europe because of the printing press. So other people who may have been part of sects that had disagreed with certain church teachings really take this on. And I think the most significant thing is you can tell he's not, he's kind of, um, using his secondary writings to kind of set up a framework for a church. He never planned it originally when he did, when he wrote his 95 theses, he's like, I'm upset. Right. And then he had to be like, 
shit. <laughs> People are really, really liking this and there needs to be a framework because you can't have people like he hated the aftermath of the reformation mm-hmm. a lot so um so the church was very threatened by this because it was a very prominent public criticism of their authority and the college of cardinals said uh recant bitch (laughs) direct quote direct quote um (laughs) but luther was like show me where it is in scripture i'm not gonna recant otherwise suck my dick also direct quote (laughs) probably um january 1521 so we're like four years out from when he not even four years like three and some change Mm -hmm. um of him publishing his theses and Pope Leo X excommunicates Luther. Took him long enough. The the reason why Luther gained so much ground is because the Catholic Church took a really long time to get their shit together. Do you want to explain what excommunication is for our non-Catholic listeners? Uh, So basically it means that you're cut off from the church community and from whatever um, blessings or like privileges being part of that community might have given you and back in the day it also meant that like people who were still in good standing with the church were not supposed to like have anything to do with you if you were excommunicated like you were literally out of the community yeah yeah and if you if they talked to you then they got in trouble it was a whole like it was scary it's kind of like the amish shunning people except like you can come back from a shunning you can come back from excommunication too but it's like a lot harder and longer process the whole city of florence was excommunicated (laughs) i know right (laughs) oh okay so luther is then summoned to appear at the diet of worms firms i got that firm the what the diet of worms it's spelled like worms but it's german the Um, diet like uh, that's what i'm hung up on like is it like a city or college or what is that no it's like a it's like a council so you have like a meeting Uh, so think of like the g20 summit like that okay okay yeah diet is basically another like it's like a summit it's a plan like so think of it like our um the if the un if you could summon people like to the un and you meet but it travels so they just call it the diet of wherever they are okay so they're in Worms um, before an assembly of the Holy Roman Empire, which is technically, so he he's in Wittenberg, mm-hmm. so he's subject to the ruler of Wittenberg, mm-hmm. but then he's also subject to the Holy Roman Empire, which at this time I believe is a Habsburg. Probably. Oh, yeah, it's it's Charles V. Yeah. Um, which, to tell you the truth, the Holy Roman Emperor doesn't have that much power since Charlemagne. Yeah, not really. But... Charlemagne's my favorite. (laughs) Uh, So the highest officials are at this trial of church and state because sometimes they're both. Especially in the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, yeah. So you basically have leaders of the different states within the Holy Roman Empire and like church officials because some of them are just church run. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, like. 
hey, Luther, renounce your views. You're excommunicated. Come on. You gotta gotta renounce it. It was pretty much a get your shit together moment. Like Edna Mode and the yeah. Incredibles. No, it's a scared straight moment. <laughs> so imagine a bunch of German aristocrats and clergy like hulling around Luther being like, we can't follow church teachings. You want to not follow church teachings? You're going to hell. You're going to burn in hell. So whenever someone brings up scared straight, I think of there's a bit that Tom Segura does and he talks about scared straight. And it's like this inmate makes this 16 year old kid hold his pocket and like, follow him around holding his pocket and he goes, I'm gonna make you suck my dick for breakfast. And the kid's like, I don't even like breakfast. And they, it was probably be like, we're can't. It's so funny. We're gonna make sure you go to hell. They were like, There's no breakfast in they hell. They were like, hold my pocket. <laughs> anyway. Um, so you should also know there's a lot of like debates happening and basically no one can refute Luther's points. So Luther's like, Come at me, bro. <laughs> I'm a honey badger. I don't give a shit. You can't pull scripture at me. <laughs> Who's doing the John, John Cena? You can't see me. <laughs> With the hand in front of his face. <laughs> no. Oh, you ain't got no scripture? You can't see me? You can't see me? I wish Luther was this thug. <laughs> We're making a thug life, Luther. Just with a giant gold chain around his neck. No, he wouldn't have had a gold chain. It probably would have been a rope or something. As a result, um, the Edict of Worms, which is what their like little summary, uh, he was ban- banned his Luther's writings and declared him a convicted heretic, which means he fucked. <laughs> That's that's official terminology. The direct quote. The end. It just says, he fucked <laughs> love firms. Yeah. Um, but they signed it. <laughs> signed by Charles V. <laughs> with his huge Habsburg jaw. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Luther escaped a planned kidnapping <laughs> to... I, I'm like that's objectively funny. Well, kidnappings in quotes. I know. <laughs> I remember that part. <laughs> that's why I was laughing. I was like, it's not a real so kidnapping. They ju- no, they tried to. Ca- they just basically tried to arrest him because he was and, a heretic at the time. Yeah, and they're like, if we give him to Rome, oh, yeah, that's, what, that's what you do with heretics. You arrest them and then you burn them. Not saying a prayer, but that's what they did. So okay. he goes to. We're going to have more of my blessed German. Um, <laughs> Wurttemberg Castle, uh, where he was hidden by friends for almost a year. That's a real friend right there. So That's some OG shit. I know. Well, he was protected by... I feel like it's the Prince of Salzburg. There's a, there's a German prince that protects him, like our duke, that protects him for a really long time. He's like, Luther, you cool? <laughs> Hang out. Still, though. I'm trying to keep this short, so I, know, I didn't fine. see it. Um, in this time, you know, in 1534, he ends up, he, he begins when it, in his year of, like, hiding out. 
And I'm not going to make the joke I want, make the comparison I wanted to make because it's really bad. Okay, so he returns to Wittenberg in 1522, still under the constant threat of death and arrest. You know, think a little bit of the ending of Princess Bride, where Wesley's just constantly like, he's like half dead, and they're like, we're going to arrest you. We're going to kill you. Yay. Um, and he works at the castle church and continues to preach and teach there and then the surrounding areas. So it might have been the Duke of Wittenberg. I'm going to have to look this up. Sorry. Saxony. Oh, okay. I knew I... So, it, yeah, it was the prince, the Duke of Saxony, or the elector, which is basically the ruler of Saxony. Okay. So, because he's under the elector's presence, a.k.a. ruler, and it's of Saxony, mm-hmm. which is another one of those fun Holy Roman states. Yep. There were a lot of them. Oh, so many. I'll, have to, I'll, put up, I'll put up a map. and So go to Facebook, and I'll have a map up of the Holy Roman Empire so you can see. At that time. Yeah. it's not a thing anymore. It's not a thing. Vatican City is really the only thing that's left of it. So he's continuing to preach, like, faith, like, salvation in Jesus by faith alone, freedom from religious error, and papal authority. (laughs) And then my favorite thing he does, in 1525, he marries Katarina von Bora, I pronounce it Spanish, whatever, who was a former nun, like an escaped nun. Because, believe it or not, at that time, not everybody in the convent wanted to be there. Again, because they would take literally anyone for any reason at that time. And basically, for women who had dowries, they would just give it to the convent and they could make them pretty rich. That's still a thing, though. Because, like, when my sister was going to be a cloistered nun, like, they asked for, I think it was like 500 bucks, but they asked for a dowry. Yeah. These were nicer dowries. Well, yeah, but like but, in the year of our Lord, 20, I don't know what year it was, like 2014. Maybe it was 2015. I don't know. But. Uh, and then because he is a former monk now and she is a former nun, they proceed to show he wants to lead by example of how you should lead a good Christian life. You should get married and then have a ton of kids because they had six. <laughs> Just love it. Well, he had been a Catholic, so six ain't that many. I know. <laughs> that was the smaller side of the family. Oh, you only have six? Look at you. Right? Like, you're not done yet, right? In 1534, Luther publishes his complete translation of the Bible into German, under like showing that he believed people should be able to read the Bible in their own language. So up to this point, the Bible had only been written in Latin, so only the educated could read it. Um, Can we talk about the differences in the translation yeah. and why there are different books? Because they had a meeting about it. Well, so, well, yes, but also <laughs> the Greek version was missing, um, I think it's like six or seven books, that the Catholic version, which was translated from Hebrew mm-hmm. and then into Latin, still had so by going with the uh greek version there were less books which was a problem yeah which is never actually fully explained 
like very often if that makes sense no i get i get what you're throwing down like some people just think he was like uh this one doesn't matter so we'll just throw that out when no it was just that they were using a different translation of the original text but yeah that's the problem there's too many versions yep so and this like the fact that it's in the vernacular led to the spread of the Germanic language as well as kind of showed Luther's kind of dark turn. He, when he was writing it, it's like a, he's kind of pretty depressed, especially the, the year he was like hiding out in Wartenberg castle. And so he, he kind of like used this as to drive away the devil with the ink. So think of Churchill who was very depressed. Like it's kind of something he did to keep his mind busy, keep him, keep the demons away. So he translated the Bible. Right. And he had always been, like you said, a very religious person, a very church centered person. And I think his criticisms of the church came from a good place and did not have the effect he was looking for. So like, that would naturally be very depressing to him. Oh, definitely. So yeah, I get that. I can see that. Um, and then there is a peasants war in the early 15, early to mid 1520s in Germany or the Holy Roman empire, because the the leaders of the revolt use Luther's arguments to justify it. But Luther says, uh, no, you can't do that. You have to have the right of authorities and, this basically turns some people. So you see Luther, the start of the Lutheran church, but the peasants revolt causes an offshoot. So then people are like, well, I mean, I liked your criticism, but you're not going to support the people. So then they started, this is where you see the branching off mm-hmm. from like the Protestant sect. So right. AKA why we have like 20 billion of them. So his influence is across Northern and Eastern Europe. And Wittenberg becomes the intellectual center of Lutheranism. However, (laughs) in his final years, he wrote basically essays against, let's go for it, Jews, of course, papacy, the Anabaptists, um, really any radical wings of the reforming movement. He's like, you're wrong and here's why. And then an outlined detailed essay on why they were wrong. Yeah, basically. Uh, Luther returns to Isselberg and ends up dying February 18th, 1546. So he lived a pretty decently long life. For the time. Yeah, yeah. And so he ended up changing the Catholic Church a lot because there's a counter-reformation and, like, all that. So mm-hmm. he caused the Catholic Church to look at themselves, but he also allowed for groups of people that were very unhappy with how Rome was running the church to break off he set a precedent the only thing that makes me really sad about it is like when they destroyed the cathedrals later on Mm -hmm. but so i did send you a lovely youtube clip yeah i'm so confused what is this it is my favorite thing it is a 95 theses rap music video that is actually pretty good (laughs) it gives you a nice insight i think we watched this we did watch it because we were rooming together when I was taking the Reformation class. Yeah. And you told me I made our, my closet door look like I was plotting a hit <laughs> in, in Europe. 
<laughs> you had maps and X's and stuff everywhere. So it did. But I, 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 it'll be posted. And enjoy. The only thing that my teacher really got mad about was when he was nailing the 95 DCs. Yeah. She's like, ugh. Yeah. I can't. It was Renee. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. God bless Renee. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's Luther. So, really You're quick. welcome. You're welcome. Really quick, I want to talk about some of the effects that the Reformation had. So obviously there's a shift in religious thinking. So like Protestantism as a whole and Lutheranism in particular, which weren't things before he was around. Um and the difference there was that the Bible is the sole authority, especially when it comes to things of moral nature. Like the Catholic Church has always had what we call two pillars of the church, which are scripture and tradition. And basically Protestantism was like tradition. Uh, tradition. We're focusing entirely on scripture. Um I'm sorry, I had to pull in <laughs> tradition. I, I appreciated it. Um and so Literally up until Vatican II, which happened in 1960 to 62, church services in the Catholic Church were conducted entirely in Latin. The common people didn't know Latin. So when it came to the Reformation, all of these Protestant churches, or most of these Protestant churches, I should say, because probably not all of them, there's probably like one random outlier, Mm -hmm. but they all changed that to where their services and writings were in the vernacular of the people. So the, the language that the common people could understand um, so that they didn't depend entirely on the minister or the priest for understanding their salvation. I don't understand. Why do you want to understand what your priest is saying? <laughs> right. Like, right. what's the point? I mean, we already discussed how I had to learn about aliens <laughs> on Christmas. So That arguably would have been a better sermon if it was in Latin. Well, no, so, like, at the time... What is the Latin word for alien? I don't know. Like I said, Vatican II was, like, before my mother was even born. Only by, like, a year. A year, but... And it took some time for that to be implemented. But... And, oh, fun fact, even today, there are, um... They're called traditional Catholics, like, trap cats. And I'm not gonna lie, I was one of them for a hot second. But, like who prefer their church services in Latin and like who still wear the chapel veil. And well, I mean, I do that, but it, yeah, it's, I know. Yeah, I was like, I, I was like, that. really hot second, <laughs> but like hot second. There are also some who are no longer in communion with Rome because they claim that the Vatican too was an abuse of papal authority and not valid. And so they claim that they're called Sedevacantus, which means that the seat is vacant. So like, all of the popes who came after Pope John XXIII, who, like, called for Vatican II, like, that the church has been empty since then. Like, the papacy has been empty because none of the mm-hmm. people who came after who inherently supported Vatican II are valid popes. It's a whole thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, way off topic. But so, because of the criticisms in the church slow or non-existent in some cases response to them the church itself lost a lot of credibility and there was this feeling of anti-authoritarianism and especially anti-feudalism so like they were like being a serf really sucks and I don't want to do it anymore so I'm not gonna which led to political uprisings throughout Europe especially against monarchs who still supported the church and who were still can we please talk about that 
feudalism didn't disappear until the until the 20th century or no yeah Yeah. 20th century (laughs) right hey russia looking at you (laughs) um we know you're looking back it's fine so there were also economic effects due to calvin's financial stability as a sign of predestination shtick which eventually led to capitalism so thanks for that um fuck calvin (laughs) for real but so I hate Calvinism. It is the worst. The actual worst. Sorry, I skipped what I was going to say about feudalism. Um, The feeling of anti-authoritarianism lent itself to political upheaval and then modern implementations of democracy, especially in places where there were Catholic leaders who were over Protestant subjects. So, like, let's look at France for a second. Um, You had a Catholic monarchy and there were vast swaths of France at the time that were staunchly Protestant they were like we don't want to hear about your Catholicism like we don't acknowledge your rule as valid and we're gonna kill you for it because fuck you um but then it leads to democracy as we know it today so and there were obviously more factors in the French Revolution slash revolutions but that was definitely one of them. Um, I could just feel you staring at me because of my broad strokes here. No, it's fine because I did broad strokes. <laughs> There's no easy way. Um, there really isn't. Another, okay, so. Like I said, I took an entire semester class on this. I mean, I took 12 years of it, so. I feel you. I feel you strong. I feel you strong. No, um, I should probably clarify. It's because I went to Catholic school. So, like, we had religion class for all 12 years. Um, So another thing that was challenged in the political realm was the authority of the Pope over monarchs. So even before, well, no. So Henry VIII was after this. So, like, when Henry VIII set up the Anglican Church, he had a problem with the Pope because the Pope wouldn't do what he wanted. And the Pope was technically above him in the hierarchy at the time. So he's like, fuck the hierarchy. I'm going to be the Pope of this. (laughs) So like, (laughs) that was one instance of the challenging the Pope's authority over monarchs. In this, in that case, it came from the monarch himself, but in other places, they were, they would look at the king and be like, he doesn't have to be your boss, but the king would be Catholic. They were like, yeah, like <laughs> the people are going to the king. He's not your real dad. Your real dad. <laughs> you want to talk I about how it. messed up that got? I'll find <gasps> the Holy Roman Empire got like real awkward real quick for family parties. Well, because like okay, so let's again. Henry VIII was married to Catherine of Aragon, whose nephew was the Holy Roman Emperor at the time. So, like... Minor details. Right. Not only was he, like, I don't want to be married to your aunt anymore, he's also, like, fuck your religion. <laughs> so, I'm really I'm really confused as to how that didn't lead to war. But it kind of did, so, you know. You know, fine. There were, there were other things at play there, too, but that was definitely, again, a big part of it. So, and it's... I also want to point out, it's not like the Catholic Church ignored... Luther's criticism 
No, they just they just took a hell of a long time to decide on what to do. Well, and they also kind of cherry picked which ones they felt were valid. Which, like, out of ninety five things, yeah, you're gonna pick some that are important, some that aren't. Mm-hmm. But it took them forever and a day to do it. So I liked your Miami reference right there. <laughs> I just say it all the time. But it's <laughs> okay. Are you done? All right. Thank you for listening to The Cult of Domesticity. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, Chorus, Spotify, and Podbean. If we are not on your preferred app, let us know so we can fix that shit. Uh, Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really is the best way. And share with your friends and family if you like us. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcast and on Instagram at The Cult of Domesticity to get the episode tip recipe of the week and additional information about the week's topics if you'd like to suggest a recipe or a topic you can email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com high five high five